love the Knicks. I want to watch Julius Randle hit a fadeaway. I don't know where my soul is. I don't know where Kemba is. Because it's the fourth quarter. (laughs) Welcome to Spinsters, a podcast where we are not worried about Russell Westbrook's um, shooting or his turnovers. And like, everyone should just not be worried. We're totally not worried. I think, honestly, I it's probably a good thing. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. We're definitely not worried. I wouldn't say that. There's any reason to have any concern at all. Some people might even call this a good thing. I think we would. We would call this a good thing. Um, so welcome to Spencer's. <laughs> I'm so worried. I'm so worried. <laughs> she's Jordan Liggins and she's so worried. And I'm Haley Shaughnessy. And I'm not. <laughs> um, before we get started, if you like the show, please rate and review us. Or don't. That's totally fine. We still love you for just listening. Um, have you heard the British phrase, I rate you? I rate you. I think like, that every time... I'm- I have to rating? say rate and review. They say like, um, I really rate you as a person. Have you heard that? I have not. It it makes me think of the, um, what was it? What's that show called? Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Where you had to like rate people. It was a whole episode about that where it's like your Instagram life, your internet personality spills over into real life. So that's what I thought of. But I know that's not what you're talking about. No, but I know what you're talking about. At least in that one, they were rating up and down. My right. problem with the phrase is like, the, they forgot to specify. How do you rate them? Exactly. I'm yeah, just rating you in general, but I'm not going to tell you if it's five stars or not. Um, yes, unless it's the show. I guess we will see. Yeah. Well, I won't see it. That's not good for my mental health. Harry will see it, our producer. Our producer. We make him check. (laughs) So just be nice for Harry, I guess. (laughs) If it's mean, you can just email us. Can we talk about uh, Robert Sarver? Sure. Okay, I'm going to just read this. I don't know how much you know about this. I'm going to read straight from The Athletic. Okay. Um, This is written by... Oh, it's written by the athletic staff, so good uh, collaborating people. <laughs> Love okay. when they do that. <laughs> um, the Phoenix Suns issued multiple statements Friday denying allegations of racism, sexism, and harassment against team owner Robert Sarver that the team says are part of a quote-unquote proposed story by ESPN. Sarver, who has owned the Suns since 2004 and also owns the WNBA's Phoenix Mercury, categorically denied any and all suggestions that he used disparaging language related to race or gender. Hmm. So first of all, um, proposed story being the words that they use are very funny because... Very interesting. It's like a pitch. If you, it sounds like a pitch. Yeah, like they made a pitch deck. I am guessing that is not at all what happened. Um so this is a bit confusing for a couple of reasons. The first reason is nothing has come out yet. Mm-hmm. So they say uh, in the quote that they released, which I can also read, we urge everyone not to rush to judgment here. 
we don't. Oh, even I don't know even know what we're judging. We're judging. <laughs> I have. Yeah, exactly. Like we're not rushing. You rushed to make this statement. And then um, the GM James Jones said, "Quote: None of what's been said describes the Robert Sarver I know, respect, and like. It just doesn't. None of what's been said. Nothing's been said." I feel like all of these statements were pre-written, like break in case of emergency, you yeah. know, and then they're just like, we got to get in front of it. Send it, send it. And now we don't really know what to latch it onto because we don't know what the the statements are. It's reverse damage control. Yeah. It's the Streisand effect. You know what that is? <laughs> I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Um. I think it was her house. Barbara Streisand had like a house in Malibu and somebody, they took a picture of it for like Google images or I don't know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And she made them take it down. But because they were so, they made such a fuss about taking it down, then everyone went and looked at her house online. Exactly. That's exactly now people are going to go back into his tweets, dig up things that probably wasn't going to be in the story. And maybe this was a part of whoever made the pitch, like, we feel like something's there. We're going to put it out there and then we're going to let the internet really do the digging and bring the story to us. They're Maybe like, that's hey, journalism we know what, now. We know what you did. And then Robert Sarver's like, oh, shit, and released. Actually, that reminds me of a story. Have I ever oh. told you a story about my friend? I don't think so. I love. Yeah. Okay. So saying this guy and. I was never a fan, but, you know, whatever. It wasn't far mm-hmm. enough along for me to voice that. But one night she wakes up in the middle of the night. They've been dating for like three months, four months. She wakes up in the middle of the night and she says – she just has this premonition. She's like, I need to – there's something there. Like, I need to look him up. So she does. And she does like a lot of sleuthing and finds – ultimately it was on his Instagram. Like, she didn't even have to go to all of the records she looked under. Yeah. On his tagged photos was a wedding picture and he was the groom. Oh. And it was like six months old. (laughs) Oh, no. So she confronts him and she said, is there anything you need to tell me? And he starts going on about all this other stuff. Just like Rob. He's like, oh, the woman I was with in Miami, like, she's oh, just no. a, an, another ex, like, wasn't even the wife. And he's he was like, I'm sorry I lied about my age and my job and, like, everything. Like, he was just lying about. The moral of the story is don't pre-deny. Yeah. You're confessing at that point. But hang on. Let me read this. Wow. I um, Yeah, I mean, this sounds pretty bad. This sounds like Donald Sterling, except way... Not as rich. A poor man's Donald Sterling. Yeah, yikes, <laughs> yikes, big yikes. Big I yikes. looked him up when this. I looked him up and he's four hundred. His net worth is four hundred million, and Donald Sterling's is like in the billions, even after everything. Okay, Gross. so this is from this is Robert Sarver's quote. Actually, this is really long. I'm just gonna scan. This is the sentence I liked best, quote, while I can't begin to know how to respond to some of the vague suggestions made by mostly anonymous sources, I can certainly tell you that some of the claims I find completely repugnant to my nature and to the character of the sun slash mercury workplace, and I can tell you they never, ever happened. First of all, too many adjectives. (laughs) 
<laughs> that seemed like an, uh, a Mad Libs. Like someone just gave him like a statement with blanks in front of words. <laughs> they were like, he hey, be defensive. In. Yeah. It's not it looking like- good. No, this sounds really serious. So I, I was almost like my first thought for this was at least someone on the Suns is playing defense this year. But this sounds like it's gonna be really fucking bad. So I mean, we, look, we don't know yet. So we are still we allowed know. to make light of it. But I'm sure we this is know. really, really, really bad. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Yeah, they are. They're trying to get in front of it. But we're still in the dark. So people are going to look it up. Now we're talking about him when two days ago we weren't talking about him at all. So I just I feel like this is going to be a crash and burn situation pretty quickly. Yeah, I saw a lot of um, people projecting that he was going to be removed, like the NBA was going to remove him like they did with Donald Sterling. Oh, God. That's embarrassing. Oh, Diana Taurasi, new owner of the Mercury. And the Suns. Who says no except for literally every player because she'd be so intense. <laughs> the, I Leave it to her to be the first player owner ever. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not it. working out well for Michael Jordan. It's well, actually, no, it is working out well. But after he all wasn't this time. a current player. He wasn't a current player owner. Isn't she retiring? I don't think so. Oh, because they lost? Yeah. She's like, I'm not strong enough to tear a door completely in half, only halfway, (laughs) and I'm not retiring until I can do that. Yeah. She doesn't want to go out on the door note. That's not a good way to end her career. She scares me, but in a way that I really like. She And also, like, contract. She has one year left on her contract, so she's she's coming back to fill that. I don't know why I thought she was retiring. Actually, yeah, I do. She's 40. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she's she's getting up there. She's getting up there. <laughs> um, okay, well, I guess we could talk about the Suns. Like, I, I'm really not worried about them. I saw, like, a, just speaking of defense, like, that Denver game. Did mm-hmm. you see that? I saw when they beat the Lakers down horribly. And then Would they... you rather talk about that? <laughs> uh, we can wait on that. I guess first, uh, I saw some nervous Suns fans mm-hmm. um, because of that Denver game, which I did watch actually fully, and they're going to be fine. That Sometimes, you know when people make defensive mistakes that are so abnormal that you just know it's due to something else? Yeah. Like um, they have a brain fart. Yeah. Like when you can't speak the morning after you're – hungover so that's cause and effect like the things that they were messing up on Jokic was in transition one time and like beat Chris Paul down the court it was just like weird things that are not going to happen again (laughs) yeah they kept they would like uh Denver would bring the ball like to the right side or even to the left side wherever strong side essentially and then they would shoot it out to somebody who was already like two feet away from them and they would hit the three it was just a bunch of things that are not going to carry over so if you're a worried Suns fan I would just channel all that worry into the fact that your owner's probably going to get exposed as a terrible person and there will be consequences but maybe it's for the best that he's not the owner anymore yeah I mean before the before the last like two years it kind of sucked for them so yeah. Who knows? Oh, gosh. But I guess we should talk about the Lakers. Look, 
here's what I'm going to say. We got our first win last night. But, and this is, this is a note to myself, too. It's too early. It's too early. Everyone should calm down. I think a lot of where the panic and nervousness is coming from is, is this the best fit? I think that's what we've been saying when all these trades have, are happening. Is this the right fit? Is Russ Book the right person? Where should AD go? And all of this. And I, it makes me think of the free agency team that I'm on in my old lady women's league. <laughs> because we were thrown together. We literally have someone that's over 40 on our team. Our, our average age is high. The Lakers' average age is 30, 30.6, <laughs> oldest in the NBA. And so I think it's like as me and my free agency team is playing together, we're trying to figure out what are each other's strengths because we've never played with each other before. We don't – we could have seen each other play, but on the court together when it's positional, we don't know. So when something good happens, we're like, okay, let's keep doing that. Let's keep doing that. And what um, what stat I found super interesting is putting Russ in a pick and roll situation with LeBron. And I think that's something that probably on paper, probably, you know, normally we wouldn't be like, yeah, let's keep doing that. But it worked. At the end of the Memphis game, they did it six times, where the previous games they did it two total, I think. And so... Mm-hmm. Ha- finding things like that, that it's it's working, the Lakers have to keep doing that. And it's going to take time. It's too early to figure it out. One thing I think is for sure, though, AD has to play the five. And I've said this over and over and over. When we match him in there with Howard or DeAndre Jordan, the paint gets clogged up. And Russ can't shoot right now. His jumper is still on vacation. So while that's happening... <laughs> We can't put two bigs because Russ needs to drive. That's the only way that he can really attack the defense. So it's still too early. Everyone take a deep breath, collectively, myself included. It's going to be fine. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. So, I mean, that's good because it seems like you've – when you're saying all that, it's like you've assigned the roles that make the most sense. Yeah. Like, because you're – putting the best players on the court and keeping the other ones. I mean, this is just a purely like a center conversation. Mm -hmm. You talk to any Lakers fan, that's what they're the most worried about right now, despite their guard rotation. Like, no two of them can play together. It's true. It's true. Like, they're all over the place. And I think it's like, you know, I was watching that Memphis game. I don't think Rondo saw the court. Like, he doesn't play a game. Like, we are really deep. But then Melo had a breakout game. He had 28 points. So it's going to be some ebbs and flow. We're going to have to mix up the lineups. But it's – that's what these – it's fine. It's early. Like, I think Frank Vogel said it. We have 80 games left. We have time. We have time to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. And then just in terms of roles, like, it's – all of them are kind of unique as well. Like you said, AD's had this career-long hesitation with being at the five. Yeah. And LeBron is a player whose role he's changed himself so much over the years that he is very flexible. Um, I guess flexible is not the right word because it's it's like what he has to do to yeah, still be this not, good at this age. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's the opposite of flexible. It's like he has decided that 
now this is who he is. He's not going inside as much. Now this is who he is. He's being Mm -hmm. more of a quarterback. Now this is who he is. He's walking down the court. Um, And with Russ, like, I, I, I don't know that his role so much is the problem um, because, like you said, they, they figured out something great with the pick and roll. But it's more like he's just a slow burn himself. Mm, dang. And then once he's good, you're in his cult and you didn't even realize it. You just yeah. like walked in and there he is and you love him forever. But you don't love him at first. <laughs> you don't. You don't. And I, I think it's his teammates just trying to because one, everybody wants to win. But everyone wants to set Russ up for success. And I think right now, trying to make him this point guard that has to shoot an outside jumper is not how he's going to be successful. And those are basically turnovers for the Lakers offense because they are bricks. They're coming off hard. and They're going out of bounds. So how can we make sure that he's in the best role for the team to succeed and for him to succeed? That's what's going to be... That's it right now. And with the age thing, like I'm just looking at this week's schedule, San Antonio, OKC, Cleveland, Houston, like the youngest teams in my Mm -hmm. mind in the league. So it's going to be different that this Laker team probably isn't run and gun. Like how how is that going to mold? How are they going to beat teams down for the age factor, too? So it's all interesting, but I'm I'm holding it together. Yeah, it's tough because, like, how do you beat a fast (laughs) team? It's when you literally slow down the offense and pass around and play half-court ball to somebody then who can ultimately hit the three. Right. Like, that's... Limit possessions, but you have to score. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, um, don't put Russ in that position, but, like, who else do you put in that position to be the outside shooter? Well, I really like... Malink Monk is doing really well. And then shout out to Bazemore. He's getting a lot of minutes. I did not expect him to even be like a starter or averaging the most minutes outside of um, AD, LeBron, Russ, and Melo. Like next up is Bazemore. So mm-hmm. I think he's really rising to that. And then Malink Monk, he had a great game yesterday. I think all of these players are going to be streaky We're going to have to rotate them in and out to be like, who's hot? All right. And then shout out to the rookie, our new Caruso, dare I say it, Reeves. He's been playing so well, and that is a player who's like, okay, what's my role? I'm sure he goes to LeBron. What do you need me to do? Where do you need me to stand? Like that is what we're looking for, what is needed, especially in this guard rotation. But I hope that they're all okay with being like, all right, it's your night tonight you're going to get more PT. <laughs> like, I'm going to sit back. Like, Rondo doesn't get to play because they were putting Russ in the pick and roll and moving him to the two. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot there. A lot there. It, which is also funny because you can't always give somebody enough time to see, like, who's got it tonight and who doesn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is It's just a team full of really streaky players. And, you know, like, I wouldn't call AD streaky or LeBron, but they're streaky in terms of their health. Like, nothing is really that reliable. Yeah. Anyway. um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for checking in, and it's fine. Just wrapping around all the Lakers fans. We'll be good. We'll be good. 
TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is an exclusive ticketing partner for Spinsters and the Blue Wire Network. Visit TickPick.com spin today and use the promo code SPIN to save $10 on your first order of NFL tickets. TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. And me personally, I'm super excited to go to a Las Vegas Raiders game in Vegas in their new stadium because there's nothing like a live game, especially a live football game. Visit TickPick.com spin today and use the promo code SPIN to save $10 on your first order of NFL tickets. I really want to talk about the Knicks. Oh, yes, um, of course. Let's, let's switch to the other conference. The I can't decide what's more fun is like watching the Knicks or watching the Knicks fans. It might be the Knicks fans. That yeah, Celtics game, oh my gosh. It's like the most intense highs and lows ever. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I watched and, the highlight, rewatched the highlights of that game on YouTube, and I looked at the comments, and someone was like, my legs were shaking from standing and jumping at MSG, and I still stood for the whole second overtime. Like, they're just in it. That seemed like it was a Eastern Conference Finals game. Yeah, sure. I know. And there's there's also this funny thing that I think might happen with the Knicks all season where the things that are winning them games are then at the same time losing them games, like Evan Fournier <laughs> in that first yeah. game. Like, in the fourth quarter, he was like, rebound, steal, three, then fouls, then does the funniest double team I've ever seen in the history. Well, I guess it's just in the history of this season because who knows? He might have more. In the- <laughs> but he, do you remember that he like doubled Tatum on the last possession and then Marcus Smart was just wide open and then Marcus Smart decided to hit a three? Yeah. He yeah. can't double. He came up from the corner, right? You can't double leave the corner open. Yeah. And then, but then when overtime happened, the first overtime, because this went to two and then ultimately the Knicks won if you didn't watch it. Uh, Evan Fournier hit back-to-back threes. So he's like, but that is extremely, (laughs) that's the Knicks. Like the things that win them games also are the things that end up losing them games or the people or the, the style. Um, but yeah, I love Knicks fans so much. I love the side talk people, um, who catch Knicks fans after the game. I even love Knicks fans on Twitter. They just seem a bit different, um, Mm -hmm. than what, when how like it's so heavily diagnosed the game is now everything has everything gets super hyper specific designations of good or bad and is just picked apart um and they feel very they're the pure raw emotion they have is way less calculated and feels involuntary and is kind of like an anecdote to all of that do you think it's because they did have some success last season. I think when we were talking about this last year, it was like years of pain, years of horribleness. <laughs> and they're coming off of a high of last season when it was like actually good and decent. 
So is that, do you feel like that's carrying over? Yeah, in a way, but I also just feel like this is, you know, you can kind of like see different fan bases different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we could go through and give characteristics that we've noticed from each fan base. And to me, the Knicks fans are, you know, like that guy or there's, never mind, I'm not going to expose this person, um, who just falls in love so easily. Like every girlfriend he has is the one. Mm -hmm. Um, That is essentially like how Knicks fans are with new players. Mm-hmm. Because someone will come in who's like pretty average and they'll say, this is exactly what we needed. They'll convince themselves to fall in love with him. And, um, you know, same hap- thing happened with Tibbs. And I, at the time, thought that was the worst idea ever. But right away, despite like recent history proving otherwise um, that, you know, he wouldn't be a great fit for this young team. Knicks fans were like, no, he's the answer. And yeah. it takes them like... <laughs> three and a half seconds. minutes to talk yeah. themselves yeah to into anything it's like that kid who was crying at the draft i forget who they picked that he was crying about was it Przingis? i don't know and then you know like whatever that's they're really emotional but then it flips like and they can convince One themselves game. about anything yeah and yeah. so i think they've always been this way and even the despair has never been like super calculated it's just been like yeah we're bad mm-hmm. like yeah um David Fizdale's lineups were bad. I almost couldn't remember his name because I was like, I think I've tried to erase those. <laughs> I was going to say, block it out of your mind. <laughs> uh, those were just weird. Um, and, you know, the front office and everything that goes on with ownership, I think it's just kind of a, a baseline bad. Um, but maybe it's because also you can't, there's really no advanced analytic that you need to see that they are bad. Um, right. <laughs> But at the same time, even, you know, when they're good, it doesn't ever feel like that highly calculated. Yeah. I was telling someone the other day that I also think that this is like the second bad comparison that I've made on this (laughs) in the last like, what, 20 minutes. Um, But that like super hyper advanced analysis on NBA Twitter and not even advanced analytics. I'm not like saying that specifically, but just incredibly keep saying diagnose that's what we'll go with (laughs) like find trying to find the issues and pinpoint them and like this is exactly particularly what's wrong and a lot of times analytics are involved with that Mm kind of remind me of climate change (laughs) okay (laughs) in that in that we know so much now yeah like so much but we can't do anything serious about it unless the important, powerful, wealthy, very tackily dressed people do something about it. Like, we don't have the power. And so tweeting about Evan Fournier's okay. handoff frequency I, I see, percentage. I see what you're being, getting. Okay. Yeah. So tweeting, like, you're going to, you need to blindly feel the highs and lows. Mm. Let go and let God. Or Leon Rose. I don't know. That's what Knicks fans do so wow. well. Yeah, um, that was but good. I will say if you're going to get into advanced analytics and like you want to feel bad about yourself, do it with the magic loss. Did you watch that Knicks magic? The, the second one where the Knicks lost? I didn't. I didn't catch that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was the nastiest shooting game I've ever seen. Like that was so nasty. <laughs> you guys can't see your face right now, but that is like the original. Disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> disgusting. 
Um, and the Knicks just look really tired. Like I'm, no one should worry about them. I don't think anyone should worry about anything this point at this point. I agree. Um, I have been pe- uh, picking up on tiredness, though. Like it's like, oh yeah, this is what an NBA season is. Like we're playing again. Like I, I think it's you know, like the Bucks win opening night, then they get blown out by Miami, then. Phoenix beat the Lakers and they get blown out the next game. Like, I feel like it's that part of the season where we're like, oh, yeah, we have to hop on a plane and then we have to go here. And now we're playing back to backs already. And it's like, here yeah, we go for the, the next beginning. six months. Yeah. And and like the Bucks, like a lot of teams are bringing in carried over injuries, um, mm-hmm. you know, from from before the season. So, I yeah. So anyway, that's but that magic. I'll, I'll send you some clips. You're going to die. Oh, yeah. So, so bad. Nasty shooting night. Uh, that's a good, that's a quote. Um, Did you see what uh, Harden said in his press conference? Yeah. And this is, this has been interesting of, you know, probably every single game, the commentators, anytime there's like the first foul call of the game, we're talking about the new rules and how they're trying to make them more quote unquote basketball plays. I find that so interesting, that wording. Um, and Harden is basically like, um, it's fine, it's whatever. That that's kind of the vibes I got from him. But I think what we were talking about before was this is gonna be Harden and Trey Young also comes up in this conversation a lot of is this going to change their game at all my question to you is will they just adjust like they're the best some of the best scorers in the world are they gonna mm-hmm. get their buckets other ways like I don't think this is going to be like oh my god now James Harden is wash like I don't think it's that because he can get he can score in other ways you know so I guess that's that's my question yeah I mean it's always been such a a uh, more significant percentage of his points than for anyone else. Yeah. You know, and that's why that's why people have been so upset with him. You know, this I mean, but honestly, people have been upset with James Harden like since he forever. entered the league. He's <laughs> forever. Either he's not playing defense or he comes in to training camp a little too heavy mm-hmm. or he He's ruined the game because, or he's a strip club. And okay, you know what? I will say that the COVID, yeah, I have a special place Mm -hmm. um, filing cabinet in my brain for anyone who broke any kind of COVID rules in the middle of the most intense part of COVID as he did. But um, everything else, I always think people just really like to hate him. Like he's a Mm -hmm. heel, but he's doesn't care that he's a heel, but he's also not trying to lean into it. It's the weirdest thing I've seen. Um, I'm making a lot of like absolutes right now. (laughs) Ever seen. Do it. Um, Yeah, he's always been super criticized though. And I just, I don't guess I don't get it. Like I don't mind the rule change because I like less stoppage time, but it is the job of people who make the rules to make sure they're being enforced and it is the job of players to push the boundaries until they've crossed the line because rules are meant to be adjusted. And um, the game has proven that. I, mm-hmm. Literally, the first thing that just came to my mind was like, if we don't adjust rules, then we end up with things like the Electoral College. And <laughs> look how that's working out. So <laughs> got to uh, push the bounds, try to switch things up. <laughs> but and it's, um, 
with Trey, I don't, what do you think? I don't know. I, I was I just going to say what, what I always say and what I always go back to is that this is a game and how it has evolved over the years and over the years to the point where this has so been ingrained in James Harden and a player like Trey Young, like they work on it, I think, like when they're shooting, kicking their leg out or doing different things to draw fouls, like that is something they work on. That is a, a in their bag. So just how that has changed over time, we're going to need to go through another winds of change, like new things are going to happen. And I think our producer Harry brought up a really good point of like, thinking of these two players and how Harden is kind of maybe at the end of his prime or, or phasing out and Trey Young is just now entering his prime. How is that going to happen? Is Harden like, no, I'm not changing. Like it is what it is. This is who I am. Or is Trey going to say, okay, now if I make some adjustments to my game, I can get more points this way. I can get more points this way. And figuring out where it is that can, so your averages still stay the same. I think that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. And like, what are, what do you tweak? I just looked it up. Trey is only 23. For a second, I was like, he's 22, right? It's like pre-prime. So he's got a lot so more time young. than Harden. But I'm with you. I mean, like we were just talking about LeBron has probably the most drastically and noticeably and at the highest level evolved his game. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, in the late stages, you know, to age better into it. But so I don't think he's the only one who can do that. With Trey, I'm not worried at all because he's he's a contortionist. Like he plays like the love child of Steph and Harden anyway, right? Yeah. But a lot of the like he plays almost more like Elastigirl. <laughs> because he is he's already like short he's already undersized but the things that he's doing the things he's figured out and in some ways this is like more a mirror of Steph is how do you do this um how do you shoot over guys when you're so undersized and the answer is you shoot from further out you know he's got a he's got a low release that helps it get all the way there anyway but mm-hmm. instead of having to you know you can't like shoot right up against guys so he's literally spread out his game with his passes it's almost like, it's so crazy. It looks like his arm is connected to the ball because of the way he whips it around. Like, I seriously, the only comparison I can think of is when I um, watched uh, Bend It Like Beckham mm. in the mid-aughts and Googled uh, his highlights, like, you know, bending the ball around. And that's literally what I feel like Trey does with passes. Yeah, that's um, good. But he has already done things that don't seem that his physical stature could do. And I guess in that way, he reminds me more of Luca, um, just because, you know, one of them is a, a bit uh, undersized. One of them, people don't typically associate his shape, I guess, with the things that, that he does. But they've turned yeah. both of those into advantages because Luca can sell extra hard. He can lean, you know, he has more weight to lean when he sells and he just has such light feet. Um but I guess the whole point of all of this is that Trey is very flexible. So I have no doubt that he will figure something else out. And I, when you were thinking, when I, you were talking, I was thinking about like Harden. And I guess he he just is a capitalizer, though. Like yeah. no one capitalizes like him. So we might That's not fair. even know 
we might not even be able to fathom how he changes his game from here. Mm-hmm. Because if you told me someone would average, what was it two years ago? Like almost 12 free throw attempts a game because his shoulder was like putting on such a good performance every night, I wouldn't have been able to picture <laughs> it. I, and, and, hey, Oscar for best actor, literally every single night, his every shoulder. night. And he's going to find something else like that. And I guess that's my thing is he he's not going to say, oh, well, this shuts me down. Like he still thinks every single year he should be MVP. So he's not going to say, OK, this rule change is what ended my career. He's going to find another way. He's going to find another shoulder <laughs> to lean on <laughs> to, to give this Oscar worthy performance i i'm just not worried about it at all but it is this conversation especially every new season has the rule changes to to talk about yeah and like you just said you're not worried about it. he said he wasn't worried about it either he yeah. in that press conference he said it's not a big deal and he's not the type to complain about it and i saw multiple headlines before i even watched the video that said um that he's the poster child he called himself the poster child for this rule change no, he didn't. That was yeah. Steve Nash. When you watch the video, they say, hey, your coach said this. Do you agree? And he said, yeah. But, you know, he didn't He didn't uh, present that. And I think that just, that's exactly what I was talking about. People don't like him. Yeah. You know, that's not fun. And then he said that he's got a stigma in going into games about drawing, I don't remember the word he used, but like Ill- illegitimate fouls, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, um... I feel like even if you don't like him, you don't understand what he's saying there. He's saying if you say that this is part of his game and that's why you don't like him, then yes, he does have that stigma. And uh, just because we've all thought of him this way, if you support it or don't support it, that means going into games, refs know that they have to make an example of it. They know they have to be extra diligent with him because they changed this rule. And um, he's been said, it's been said that he's going to be the one who is worse off for it. And So they're going to – it's just built in. Of course, they're going to go um, extra hard on him on this. So I I just feel like let go of the James Harden hate. Let go of everything. If you've learned one thing from this episode, let go. I love it. Mm-hmm. Haley O'Shaughnessy, quote. <laughs> Hanging on a poster. <laughs> <laughs> You want to call you want to wrap it there? Yeah, we can wrap it there. I think um, one last thing I want to say, go Hornets. They're looking good. Three and oh, best start in franchise history. I might I might uh, be a Hornets fan for right now. Wait, we'll see. Three and oh is the best start in (laughs) franchise history. I read that on Twitter. (laughs) Are you sure they're being serious? Yes, it was. Not that that's like a super credible source, but yeah. Okay. What's <laughs> your shit on? <laughs> Sorry. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, three and zero franchise record. I'm so embarrassed for them. No one. They should have paid people to not tweet that until it got to like seven games or something. That but is so I, bad. I mean, they were. They had to do it because if they lose next, then. They lost that chance to. I would just pay to people brag. to not talk about that. <sighs> I would have literally taken out a loan to pay people to not talk about that. That is so embarrassing. Maybe a loan from 
the owner <laughs> like hey can you maybe they should use some of the um the sun's pr just to like bring it full circle just get ahead of no, that we- of like brush it under the rug (laughs) yes i was literally just gonna say that and the other thing i thought was this has not been a good week for kemba even though the knicks are like you know pretty exciting even there was a bad loss but everyone loses to a college team (laughs) once or twice i didn't say that a scout said that a scout called them a college team before the game so the magic just the magic wow um but yeah wow that's this has been a r- bad week for kemba <laughs> bad walker week for kemba. <laughs> he it's first of all he got story. taken like tom Thibodeau does not trust him late in games which he is was just on the carried bench. over yeah that's tough he has to build that build that trust for sure <laughs> and what's funniest is that that first time it was against the celtics and celtics fans were like yeah, I could have yeah. made that mood for you. Exactly. That's what we did. That's what we would have done. <laughs> and now the Hornets are 3-0. Tough break for him. But All right. Well, hopefully he gets his groove back soon. Yeah. That's our that's our show. Make sure to to say some nice words about Kemba. He needs it. Say say it on our voicemail at 502-874-4453 or send us an email at spinsters at bluewirepods.com to be featured on the show. Spinsters is hosted by me, Haley O'Shaughnessy, and Jordan Liggins. This episode was produced by Jordan, Isabel Jocelyn, Harry Krinsky, and Alex Ward. Our production coordinator is Devin Shepard, and our executive producers are Peter Moses, John Yales, and me. Uh, what's up, guys? I'm Sam from LA. Uh, time, a long time. I feel like my dad saying that. Uh, I, I, I don't really know a ton about the draft. My team is the Celtics. We traded out a couple weeks ago, but um, I, I really hope that guy Sharif uh, Cooper finds a home. He, he's like a really good passer, and I, I like the, the, the maybe five minutes of highlights I've watched from him makes me think. Like, in the right situation, that guy could be a super fun player.